0: So this past week, our family thought we should have one last hurrah before the school year started. And as a family who haven't been downtown Chicago in a while, we thought, well, maybe we'll chance it, and we'll go to the donut vault, get our favorite artisanal donuts, and see what else might be available. We made this plan on Sunday night, and Monday morning we woke up and didn't know that Grand Theft Auto Chicago Edition was a reality. And maybe you saw it happen on Monday. The looting that I've never really experienced uh, to the degree and the nearness. Uh, The images that we saw here was what Best Buy looked like in the morning. The Walgreens right across from the big McDonald's that I've been to totally looted and it's crazy. So we changed our plans. Welcome to COVID. <laughs> and we had a really good day until about 2.30, 3 o'clock. And suddenly the sky is dark and the wind is howling so bad. My house makes creaks I've never heard before. And I'm imagining the shutters fly. They stay, don't worry. And hail comes down and can't even hear the tornado sirens through the storm anymore. And we realized that we were victims of Dorocho. I don't know if you pronounced that right, um, but that's the storm that has 15 tornadoes attached to it. Fifteen that happened through that storm. In fact, in Iowa, this is what some silos look like after the storm went by, devastating also just crops of corn, millions of acres of corn, devastated. Now, in Chicago, we just had our power go out. I don't know if you can relate with that. Uh, hopefully you have your power on now. But as I was driving around without any power and we were trying to bide our time, um, trying to hopefully waste time before power went on again, as I was driving around, I, I, I had to think, is this the end? And then my secondary thought was this, if this isn't the end, when will be? <laughs> right? Like, what else can possibly go on? Now, now I realize that maybe if you're watching online, you could be in a beach somewhere. Uh-oh, I, I have no idea why that's going on. Because it's the end, friends. <laughs> Hello. I will persist in telling people about Jesus, devil. I apologize for that. Maybe I should just keep this one, yeah? All right. So maybe um, some of you are watching from a different place. Maybe you are in Florida on a beach somewhere. But still, you maybe have had reason to ask the question, Is this the end? And that's what we're going to discuss in our time together. Is this truly the end? Now, welcome, by the way, if you are new to Christianity, if you're just watching online, or if you're new to this building. Um, And one of the things we want you to know is that you're welcome among us, uh, even if you have doubts, even if you have concerns, if you have um, not everything put together, welcome to the club. Uh, We hold out a perfect Jesus among imperfect people. And uh, what we love, though, to do is teach on God's word. And so we're going to get into God's word and we're going to see um, him teach about the end. And, and this microphone is kind of distracting. If I go back here, am I on? I am not on. Anything. Now I'm on. I think that's less distracting, perhaps. I apologize. Do you know, so I'm a pastor's kid, and this is not a rare thing. Do you know how many Christmas Eve services I've been to Where everything goes haywire as we try to celebrate the only message that matters. And I tell you, if we have to be here the next three hours, you're gonna walk away learning about Jesus and knowing about the end. If I have to shout it from the top of my lungs, the devil will not win today because I know Jesus and you are going to know him too. He reigns above all things. And so we're going to have a discussion that the disciples had, and they actually asked the same question of Jesus back in the day. In Matthew 24, uh, they came up to Jesus, and they had this discussion. They said, tell us, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And with that, Jesus enters into a discussion. In fact, if you want to understand the end times, read Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Because there he creates an end times checklist. And I want to share that checklist with you. So, getting into Jesus' response, this is one of the things that Jesus said is going to happen in the end. That you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. Is that going on? North Korea? (laughs) The Middle East? Wars and rumors of wars. What about our next one? There will be famines and earthquakes. What I learn about North Carolina? I didn't expect an earthquake, uh, was it, over five in North Carolina. Uh, famines, we were part of Feed My Starving Children one year because why? There isn't enough food always to go around. You will be hated by all nations because of me. Is there persecution against those who follow Jesus? This past week, I learned in China they are forcing all Christians to become part of the state church there so that they can dominate and have control over Christians in China. They're eradicating any independent Christian church. Many false prophets will appear and deceive. Are there false teachings about Jesus and Christianity? You know, as a pastor, if you take your theology from Netflix and from pop TV, you are going to be deceived. If that is your source of spirituality, you will have lies upon lies upon lies. Don't get your theology from Netflix. Don't get it from online. Because of the increase of wickedness, is there an increase of wickedness? Someone from an older generation, can, can you say amen? Is, is that happening? All right. And then finally, the love of most will grow cold. Are we seeing that less and less are confessing Jesus? If you've done any study about the millennial generation and what's going on in their faith life, you know that less and less are confessing to follow Jesus. You know that's happening in this country. So as we take out our end times checklist, you know what I find? Our first takeaway It could be the end. As we ask the question, is this the end? The answer is, it very well could be. But here's the interesting thing. We're not the only ones who can say that. If you follow church history, you consider those who are the early Christians under the oppression of Rome and Christians died in the Colosseum for professing the faith. They were hated because of Jesus, and those Christians dying in the Colosseum in the gladiator fights could have been turning to each other saying, you know what, this could be the end. Or you consider the Civil War a few hundred years ago, right? Can you imagine fighting among your own country people, and as North and South get together, they must be turning to each other in the army saying, you know what, this could be the end as nation rises upon nation, even with us. If you heard of the Great Depression and you saw the lines of those wanting just some bread and the cost of bread at that time and the unavailability of it, standing in that line, they could have been saying, this could be the end. In fact, something that you should know about eschatology, which is the teaching of end times. Do you know that's what we're learning? Eschatology, the teaching of end times. Something you should know about it is that since Jesus' resurrection, We have been living in the end times. In fact, to convince you of that, I want to tell you about a writer who wrote to people in 50 A.D. So let's go back to 50 A.D. And this is Paul, and look at his advice on how to live because it's the end. Paul writes in 50 A.D. these words. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. And then he has all these implications because we're living in the end. He says, from now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. (laughs) Can you imagine if I ripped that from the context? (laughs) No, pastor told me I don't have to live as if I have a wife. (laughs) Context is key. Those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it was not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. Paul's saying, because this is the end, it doesn't matter really if you had a good or bad day yesterday. It's momentary. Regardless of the state of your house, if you finish the project, if you're in the midst of the project, if you need a project, it doesn't matter a great deal. It doesn't even matter, again, what's going on romantically in your life, even though those are good things, because the time is short. We're just not here that long. This world is passing away, and for all we know, Jesus could come tomorrow. Are you learning anything yet? Love to share what we know. But let's get into our lesson for today. I haven't even touched it yet. Um, today's lesson is going to come from the book of 1 Thessalonians, and it's interesting that the Christians in that day were persecuted. They're in an intensely bad period of time, and Paul's response to comfort them is, don't worry, this world is passing away. Paul's response to persecution was, this will pass, something better is coming. And so when you read uh, his letters to the Thessalonian Christians, uh, you hear a lot about the end of the world as his answer to their bad season. Let's get into it. Um, I'm just going to invite you to stand as we hear the word of God in honor of the word of God that he's speaking to us through these words. So it's recorded now, brothers and sisters, about the times and dates we do not need to write you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. These are words that Paul says are for your encouragement. They build you up. And so sometimes we participate in the message. If you could say out loud, if you don't know, can you say that? If you don't know, you know now. Please be seated. And as you stay with us in this series, you will continue to know So I'll never forget one day I had in high school, it was a day that I had $100 of cash in my pocket, and as a pastor's kid, as a kid in general, as a person, I usually don't carry $100 in cash. The reason I had it is there was a musical going on that weekend, it was my job to buy musical tickets for our family, for first cousins, for second cousins, basically everyone, and so I had $100 of cash to pay for the tickets. As the day went on, uh, I had gym class, and as you do in gym, you get ready, you put your stuff in the locker, and you have put on gym clothes, right? And while that was going on, while I was at gym class, I, I put my things in the locker. No one had ever gone through it before, but on that day when I returned, guess what happened? The $100 was gone. Now, now I know it's easy for you to say, well, pastor, you should have known better, Uh, that's why you put a lock on your locker, Um, that's why you take measures, but but guys, no one has ever been through my stuff before. Why would it happen there and then? And I'd also tell you, if I knew that was going to happen, you better believe I would have purchased a lock or I would have brought the $100 with me, you know, during gym class. I don't care how foolish it would have looked, I was going to, again, save that money. That's the thing about thieves. I don't know if you've ever had anything stolen. I hope not. They don't give you a heads up. Uh, Which is why, you know, some of us have the ring doorbells and the cameras uh, so that hopefully you're ready at all times. The reason I tell you this story, though, is because this is what the end is going to be like and this is what we know. That our first takeaway is this. The end will come without warning. In fact, um, what I believe is that no one is going to get a call from God saying, hey, be ready, tomorrow I'm descending on the clouds. Right? No one's got that cell phone. In fact, one of the most interesting things Jesus ever said is that he didn't even know. Look at this from Mark. In Mark chapter 13, it says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the sun. The mind-blowing truth about the God that we worship is that he is so above us, he has a dual nature. Jesus was 100% human and 100% God. And according to his humanity, he didn't know. And that's what Paul is telling us. Paul is saying, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And so we just don't know. He also compares it to a, a woman giving birth. I don't know if, how many families remember that time. What's really interesting is that doctors try to narrow it down and they give you that day and that's so cute, right? Because when does it come on the day, Right? In fact, some of you might even have stories of how close you came to having that kid not at the hospital, right? Uh, especially when it comes to like the fourth kid, you know, it's usually not the first, but by the time you have some, you know, it, it becomes sooner and sooner and, and, and you just had minutes. Some of you might have stories of those who like gave birth in a car or in a barn or a house somewhere uh, just because you didn't know. And that's the thing with babies. They're a gift from the Lord, but they don't give you a phone call, do they? No. Which is also why, spiritually speaking, we can always spot religious frauds. You can always know that someone is a religious fraud when they tell you a specific time and a specific day. An example of this is a guy named Harold Camping. Harold Camping uh, was known for predicting the end times. In fact, he has a book called 1994 Question Mark. And as you can see, that is when he thought the end would come. Now, he had reiterations of this. He thought it was going to come in 2011, uh, 7,000 years, he said, after the flood. And Harold Camping actually met his end before the end came. He's no longer with us. So what can you know about the end? You can know that no one knows. (laughs) And you might be saying, Pastor, that's really interesting Um, But what do I do with that? Like, how does that affect the way I live? And and I want to get into that a little bit. To start that discussion, I'm just curious, how many of you would say you're a light sleeper? And you can chat that in the chat box. How many light sleepers are there? And where are my heavy sleepers? Heavy sleepers are hilarious, aren't they? Especially if you're married to one. Because you can, as a light sleeper, be married to a heavy sleeper and then wake up the next morning and be like, so you didn't hear that our child was up sick all night long? None of it. Like the screaming in the bathroom didn't didn't register. And the heavy sleeper, what are you talking about? Right? Give me some coffee. Still waking up. Right? If you're a heavy sleeper and you have pets, it's also hilarious. A pet can jump on your bed, can sniff you, can lick you, can sit on you, and the heavy sleeper is snoring. You ever see it? Light sleepers just laugh. Heavy sleepers are also more fun because you can pull pranks on them. And and not saying I'm recommending to this young people, but uh, young people, you know what you can do? You can put shaving cream in one hand um, for a heavy sleeper. They won't wake up for that. And then you feather their nose, and it's a really fun game. (laughs) Pastor, what are you doing? Or you you have these pictures uh, like this guy, right? Uh, He's a heavy sleeper. (laughs) Arr, matey. (laughs) And Paul is telling us this morning, you know what, regardless of what you are um, really at night, spiritually speaking, here's the thing. Spiritually speaking, you and I cannot afford to be heavy sleepers. We have to stay alert. We have to always, what's that noise? Is it now? What's going on? We have to be awake. That's what Paul is getting into spiritually as he says, so then let us not be like others, who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. So, just as a heavy sleeper misses things, he also goes into the experience of drunkenness. And wouldn't you maybe agree that when you are a drunk, you miss some things? Or those who are drunk miss some things. I'm reminded, spiritually speaking, of uh, the topic of alcohol. Do you know alcohol? It's not sinful to have, uh, you can have it in moderation, but drunkenness is always a sin because you're not alert. You're not ready. You're not ready to live for the Lord or know what's going on. And so Paul says, more than even the physicality of sleeping or drunkenness, he says, spiritually though, you need to stay awake because here's the thing. We need to be ready for the end. Always. But now it's time for a gut check. If this is the end... Are you ready? Maybe let's make it broader. If this is the end, are the people in your network, family and friends, ready? Are the people in your community ready? Are people in this country ready? It's been interesting that the Christian Church in America has been for a long time been called the sleeping giant. Many who profess Jesus but are truly not awake and have been sleeping. And there's a part of me that wonders if God in his grace is not giving his loudest wake-up call at this point. If the reason that we are so mixed up when it comes to plans, the reason that we're experiencing such high degrees of irregularity, pandemic and problems alike, is him saying, wake up! You got to get ready. You've been sleeping. And a question you might have well, Pastor, how do I continue to be ready? And here I want to bring up a man named John the Baptist. John the Baptist, his major mission was to get people ready for the coming of Jesus the first time. And, and he used a very simple word for readiness. And that word was repent. Now to understand the word repent, it is simply like the video we saw. It means to turn. And so you know what I think God is calling us? He's calling us to turn. To turn from the periods that we were sleeping. Periods maybe that we said, God, I don't need you here because I'm at college. God, I don't need you here because the kids are young. God, I don't need you this weekend. We're good. God, I don't need you this month. We'll be okay. God, I don't need you this minute and let me do my thing, God. God is saying, turn from that. Turn from the moments where you've ruled him out of your life and turn towards Jesus. And in turning towards him, you know what you find? Forgiving love. Forgiving love that woke us up at our baptism, made us alive in Christ. Forgiving love that comes through the Lord's body and blood in the sacrament. Forgiving love that is the essence of the cross, where all of our sin and all of our guilt and all of our shame is removed. For every season that I've been sleeping, He was good in our place. That's what we get when we wake up to the reality of His love. And He is yours today. If you weren't a believer before, He is yours today. He has His forgiving love for you today. And if you believe His cross covers your sin, if you believe He is the King of kings and Lord of lords, if you believe He is your Lord and Savior personally, I have good news for you. You, my friends, are ready If this is the end and you simply believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are ready and there's nothing more to do. Because here's the awesome reality about the end. That we stay ready for it simply through faith. And faith isn't about having it all together, none of us do. I really wish I did, I'd be a better pastor. Faith is simply holding out to the Savior. has accomplished everything for us, and letting nothing get in the way of that, I hold on to him. And while it is that simple, doing that is complicated. There are things that get in the way of faith, aren't there? In fact, as uh, we consider what's going on, I consider those who are getting ready for the onslaught. And maybe you heard in Chicago, based on what happened last weekend, that they sent a thousand police officers to make sure they were ready if something occurs. They're going to have body cans, and they're going to have the the spike strips, and they're going to make sure that if people do try that again, they are ready because an onslaught could happen. And it's interesting that in our faith life, you might Believe in Jesus and you might hear him here, but then as you work out the week, as you live your life, an onslaught comes. And there are two things in particular I think that get in the way of faith for many people today. And you can maybe give me feedback if I'm right on this. One thing that I think is an onslaught attack against our faith is how we process suffering. That's the one. The other onslaught I think we face is how we prioritize our lives. So again, the two things I would say spiritually, how we process suffering, that can definitely be an attack on your faith, and also what your priorities are currently can be an attack. And because of this, Paul says, get ready, and he doesn't say anything about a thousand police, but he does say this. He says, because you belong to the day and you have faith, let us put on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Because of the onslaught, let's just talk about suffering. You know what you need in times of suffering? Faith. Faith that clings to the promises of God that says, but God, you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. And God, you promised me that you're going to work everything for my good. And God, I believe you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so while the world is bad, you are good above it all. And when you have faith that clings in times of suffering, you have a breastplate to protect you. He says you need love. How do we handle prioritization? God says it very clearly, love me above all things. Love me above everything. And some of you even know this is the first and greatest commandment. And anything that gets in the way of loving me above all things is idolatry. It is an onslaught to your faith. It is an onslaught trying to attack your readiness. Put on the breastplate of faith and love. What else does he say to be ready? He says, put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. I love talking about this. To set it up, have you ever had to wait on something that was really, really good? Now, I realize that in an age of Amazon Prime, we don't wait very long, right? Uh, One day delivery now, I love it. But but has anyone ever waited for the weekend? It's Friday at school and you are counting down the minutes. You ever done that? You're at work and you're just counting down when the, the bell is done and you can clock out. Ever done that? Or oh, I had a buddy this weekend who got married. And if you've been married or if you got married, you know what it is to wait for that day. Some girls have been waiting like 16 years, right? Maybe longer. I don't know. And you know what it is to just, oh, man, that's going to be an awesome day, right? For me, I I recently bought a car. We are a two Prius family. I know you're jealous. It's awesome. Gas mileage. (laughs) And while I bought the car on one day, I had to wait for it to be done. I couldn't pick it up until the glorious day. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Where Prime sends you the picture. Have you got one of those? Here it is on the doorstep, where the person says, I do, where they pick up the phone and say, sir, your car is ready, your car, (laughs) the bank's car, anyway. It's so glorious, and something you should know about the end is that is what the end is like for those who believe. The end is when those in faith receive their reward. I would tell you, yes, you are saved today. Yes, you have peace today. Yes, you have joy today. But all of that culminates on the greater day when we meet Jesus. When it's ours forever. See, God will be done with an era. And usher into a new and glorious era where there will be no more weeping or crying We are with the Lord forever. And because of that, the end times teaching is that of comfort for those who believe. There is anticipation like a bride on her wedding day, like a person who just bought a car, like someone waiting on a package. That is the end for those who believe. In fact, it reminds me of one of my favorite choral songs. When I was in high school as in choir, I loved it and, and I had choral fest and and when hundreds of teens got together uh, we came together and we sang a song um it sounded like this is is do you hear it freedom is, oh, yes, freedom, is freedom is coming freedom is coming freedom is coming this is your day yes, I, know. Oh, yes, I know. Is coming, and what does that mean? It means finally we're released from all the problems here. Finally, we have joy that never ends. Finally, we would know to be done with the curse of sin forever. End times teaching is the most glorious teaching there is, the culmination of our faith. A time for joy. You don't have to be afraid. Your Savior, Jesus, you will meet in the air and be with forever. Amen and amen. But I end with a challenge. And I wanted to bring up what was the most convicting part of this lesson for me. The most convicting part of this whole lesson is when Paul started out this way and he said, brothers and sisters, about the end times, we don't need to write you, for you know very well. And I'm like, Paul, what do you mean? I don't need to write you and you know very well. It reminds me, if you're a parent and you ever said, well, now I shouldn't have to tell you this, but when we go to their house, you better mind your P's and Q's. It's the teacher in the classroom. I know I've said it a thousand times, but I'll say it again. And so Paul is saying, you know what? I don't even need to to, to write you these things. You should know very well. And why should they know? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, we live and die by the teachings that he taught. And this is not something that Paul taught. This is something that Jesus taught way back in the day. And we who confess and profess Jesus, we follow what he taught. For Jesus said, the Son of Man will come at an hour when you don't expect him. And so when Paul called him a thief in the night, he was just riffing on the teaching that Jesus had already given. And I guess the reason this is convicting is because I wonder how many Christians Paul would say, you know what? I shouldn't need to tell you. <laughs> I shouldn't need to write this. You've had the book. <laughs> You've been around the teaching. <laughs> now, I want to tell you again, if, if you're new online or if you're new to Christianity, there's no guilt there because this is all new teaching. But but maybe for some, if you haven't taught this before, maybe he's illuminating our understanding that actually it was our responsibility to always know, and to never forget. In fact, what I find in these words is that once you know, it is yours and mine to not unknow. And I know that's horrible grammar. I was going to say it's yours not to forget, but, but it's ours now to hold on, to use this thing, and to treat it as it actually is, the words of life and death, to be in the Word. Because for all you know, this is the end. Jesus could come back tomorrow. And it is ours to stay ready. To remember we have peace on that day. We have reward on that day. Because freedom is coming. And Jesus is coming. To which the people said, Oh yes, I know. Oh, yes, I know.